going back more than two years, we have been slowly making our way through the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy here at Cross Connection Church. And as I have shared many times before, this book, I believe, is a key to understanding the Old Testament. Everything that follows after the book of Deuteronomy, from the book of Joshua until the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, it really is an application of this text, or in one sense, it's kind of an illustration of what it would look like for the children of Israel if they were to disregard God's statutes and his judgments. Deuteronomy establishes what I've shared before as the kind of if this, then that algorithm for Israel's life as God's people living out their days in the promised land. If Israel would follow God's ways and if they would keep his commandments, then they would experience God's blessing. They would experience abundance in the promised land that he was going to give to them. But if, again, there's that condition, if Israel were to turn away and they were to disregard God's ways, transgress his commandments, then they would reap the consequences and the curses of the law. Now, eventually we're going to see a perfect summary of this conditional sowing and reaping relationship when we get to Deuteronomy chapter 28, coming to near the end of the book of Deuteronomy. And throughout the history and prophecy books of the Old Testament, so books like Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, and then when you get to the prophecy books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, or the minor prophets, Obadiah, Zechariah, and so forth, we are going to see all of this just practically illustrated. Of course, we, sitting here 3,400 years after Moses taught these things, we're not under the law of Israel or the law of Deuteronomy, at least not in the same way that Israel was as they were preparing to come into the promised land. When we read about the feasts and the Sabbaths as we see them portrayed here in the book of Deuteronomy, or we read about the, the sacrifices and the offerings that Israel would give to the Lord, or we come to passages that deal with the dietary restrictions or the purification rituals and rites of Israel, these things may really feel to us as though they have little bearing upon our lives, as, especially as Gentile Christians living in the United States in 2022. So when thinking about that, when you're reading through a book like Deuteronomy or spending a lot of time in it like we have been doing here at Cross Connection Church, you can sometimes begin to question, what is the import of this for us? Now, there certainly are, I think, you don't have to look very far to realize that there certainly are a lot of Christians that effectively live as though books like Deuteronomy or the rest of the Old Testament books are, are basically unimportant. Many Christians never read these passages. And sadly, I think many churches never open these books. But for a number of reasons, I think that a book like Deuteronomy is important for us. For, for one, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says all of these things happened to them, to the children of Israel, as examples. And they were written and recorded for our admonition, for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. And then he adds this really important caution or exhortation. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Among other things, books like Deuteronomy and other often overlooked Old Testament books 
reveal important things about God and they give us insight into what it actually means to live as God's people or, or how we are to or maybe how we are not to walk and follow after him. As I shared last week, God's design was that his people would live lives governed by his law. In fact, the name Israel, one of the definitions for the name Israel is governed of God or prince of God. And the children of Israel were to be those people who were governed by him directly. So God gives them the law through Moses. That's what Deuteronomy really is an accounting of so that they could pattern their lives or work out their lives according to this word, this law. During the entire time that Israel had wandered in the wilderness, Moses had been the mediator of the law. If they had an issue, if they had a problem, I shared in my message last week, they would just go to Moses. If they were short on water or didn't have food, they would come to Moses. If someone had committed some trespass and stolen from another person, they would go to Moses. So he was the mediator of the law. They would just go to him and say, you know, what do we do in this situation? And he would take care of it. But as Israel is now preparing to come into the promised land, God is calling for them to live as his people according to his law without the direct mediation of Moses or without the direct mediation of another person like Moses. Of course, some of you have read the rest of the Old Testament and you know that living as God's people according to his law without a direct mediator like Moses, it didn't exactly turn out all that well. And we will see that as we go through the other books of the Old Testament. But these things were recorded that we might learn from them. Everything that they experience in seeking to follow after God's law and failing to do so is written so that we can learn from it. Now, God, though Moses wasn't going to be with them, God wasn't going to leave all of the people of Israel alone to figure everything out on their own. We saw in our teaching or our study through Deuteronomy chapter 17 last week that Deuteronomy chapter 17 outlined the offices of the priests, the Levites, and the judges. These individuals, the priests, the Levites, and the judges in Israel, they were given the task. They were ordered to be those who would help the people live and walk before God in a, a right way, in a righteous way. So we have the law of God. This is how it is to be right before a holy God. And you have these priests and these Levites who are effectively experts in understanding this and then judges in how to work it out. They are going to be the ones who lead and guide and direct the people to do these things. So these individuals, especially the priests and Levites, they were holy dedicated to this task. This was their job entirely. They are to be those that oversee the spiritual life and the moral life of the people as they live as God's people in the promised land. And as we come in Deuteronomy chapter 18 this week, verses one through six reveals that the complete focus of these individuals was to be this work. The priests and the Levites, they would not have a, a portion in the promised land given to them as an inheritance. And so they didn't have to tend the land. Everybody else, they would have to take care of the land. But the priests and the Levites, their entire job was to be focused on the spiritual, moral, civil life of the children of Israel, helping to direct them to walk in righteousness before the Lord. They didn't have to think about all the other external things of life. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse two says, therefore they, the priests and the Levites, shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance as he said to them. They did not have to oversee the inheritance of the land. 
they were provided for by the people who had the inheritance of the land. And the priests and the Levites are completely dedicated to taking care of the spiritual, moral, and civil lives of the people. They didn't have a vocation. They didn't have plowing season and planting season and harvesting season. They didn't have flocks to tend to and shepherd. Other than standing before the people as ministers of the Lord, they had no other task that they were to be given to. Deuteronomy 18 verse 5, for the Lord your God has chosen him, the Levites, the priests, out of all of the tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. These individuals were given the task of not sowing seed and taking care of the land, but sowing God's word and shepherding God's people. That was their entire job, so that the people would know how to live and walk rightly before God. And as we will see, though we are not under God's law in the same way that God's people were 3,000 years ago when they lived in the promised land, we still today need those who sow God's word and shepherd us as God's people in order that we walk in a way that is right before God. To live rightly as the people of God, we must cultivate priestly relationships in our lives. We need those people who will be those individuals who sow God's word into us and who shepherd us or lead us into God's ways. And so thinking about this this week as I was reading through this passage, as I was discussing it with some other people, some of the pastors here at the church, I think it's really important that we understand how, how essential this is for us. If we are going to live in a way that is honoring to God, brings him glory, is right before him, we need those people in our lives who are pouring God's word into us and who are directing us in the way we ought to live. And as I was thinking about that, I started to wonder, do you know who those people are in your life? Now, certainly, and this will seem a little bit self-serving, being that I am a pastor and it is my task to kind of shepherd people in the word of God and to sow the word of God into their lives. It may seem self-serving for me to say this, but I think you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need someone who does that. You should have shepherds, pastors in your life who will faithfully sow God's word into your heart. But you should also cultivate relationships with other brothers and sisters, not just those who are your leaders within the church, pastors within the church, but you should cultivate relationships with other brothers and sisters within the body of Christ who will speak God's word into your life. They, they won't be those who are just giving you their opinions or their ideas or their perspective. I think about this. What they will be giving to you is, hey, you know, that reminds me of a passage of scripture over here in Deuteronomy or over here in Chronicles, whatever it is. You need those kind of people in your life. I need those people in my life who will not just be giving me their opinions or their perspectives, but who will be directing me to the word of God. And when I say that you need to cultivate or develop priestly relationships, I mean by that that you need to develop meaningful connections with people who will intentionally direct you to the Lord, to his word, and to his ways. And, and so it really does come back to not just you, but to me as well. Have you, have I, have we developed connections with other people within the church who will encourage and exhort us in our faith using God's word. We need to have those relationships in our lives. And this is one of the reasons that we at Cross Connection Church are so focused on connect groups here at this church, because we think that those group connections where you are interacting with other brothers and sisters in the faith, where you are really just living life together, 
um, you know, whatever it may be, doing some sort of activity, going on a jog together, you know, going on a walk together, you know, playing golf, whatever it may be together, or having a meal together. We need to have those relationships where there are people within the church who are able to encourage, challenge, caution us in the ways of the Lord, who will direct us as it relates to walking in his ways. We do not believe that you will reach your fullest potential as a follower of Jesus Christ on your own without the influence of other members of the household of faith encouraging your growth and your development. We were, as I often say here at Cross Connection Church, we were created for connection. We were created to live life in connection with God and with one another. And we will not realize the fullness of the abundant life. Jesus said that the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly or that you may have it to the fullest. And I don't believe that we can experience or realize the fullness of the abundant life in Christ, the, that life that he desires us to have without a, a deep Christ-centered connection with other people within the body of Christ. You cannot be, as it's been said before, a lone ranger Christian. There is no such thing as kind of like the secret agent lone uh, ranger Christian out there who is thriving in their faith as a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to be connected to God, but you also need to be connected to other people who occupy kind of a priestly relationship in your life. And when I say a priestly relationship, it doesn't mean that they have some sort of authority or power over you and you submit to them as much as it means that those people are encouraging you and challenging you that you would walk in the ways of the Lord. They're pointing you back to the scripture. When you're making a decision or you're trying to figure out what job to take or where to move or whatever it may be, that there are people that might be able to help you think through that as it relates to your life as a follower of Jesus. You've got to have those relationships. And, and I do as well. Even though I'm a pastor of a church, I still have those kind of relationships in my life. People who speak into me, friends, family members, other men in the, in the faith, in the church, mentors of mine, who are challenging me to grow in my faith and my following the Lord. Gathering here on a Sunday morning for a sermon and then maybe getting a donut after the service, those things are great. I think gathering together as the people of God at church is really important. In fact, here I am delivering this to a, a video camera and you may be watching this on YouTube. Maybe it's Sunday morning. Maybe it's some other time throughout the week that you're watching this. If you haven't been in fellowship within the church, especially over the last couple of years because of all the craziness that's been going on in our culture, I just want to encourage you that that is not the best or most ideal place for a Christian to be. You need to be in regular, consistent fellowship. But even if you come and you gather here on a Sunday morning and you listen to the sermon and you worship with us and then you go and get a donut after the service, that's not sufficient to really grow deep in your faith. We need deeper engagement. We need deeper connection with other brothers and sisters within the church who will encourage and challenge us to grow in our faith and in our faithfulness to the Lord. If we are going to live lives that are aligned with God's word and with his ways, then we will need to cultivate priestly relationships. But Moses goes on here in this passage because there's more to it than that. As we're going to see as we go through chapter 18 today, there's four things that I see in this passage that really I believe will help us begin to move into a place where our lives are more aligned with God's word and his ways. So the first one 
is that we need to cultivate those priestly relationships within our lives. But the, the very next one we find in this next section here, beginning at verse 9, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter to pass through fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or soothsaying, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up for the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God, for these nations which you will dispossess listened to the soothsayers and the diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you." Now, at first pass, reading through Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, these six verses, they may seem completely inapplicable to you and to me. I think it is highly unlikely that any of you are keeping company right now with witches or soothsayers or sorcerers or conjurers or mediums or spiritists or interpreters of omens. You probably don't have any sort of connections in your life that fit into those categories. However, it is entirely possible that you know some people in your family or people at work or among your acquaintances who would consider themselves to be spiritual or highly spiritually aware. They have like a spiritual consciousness and they seem to have some sort of acute insight and, and wisdom about things. You probably have some connections with some people who believe themselves to have a connection with something divine or transcendent or with the universe, sometimes people will say, or they claim that they have some sort of special knowledge or unique wisdom. These are people who don't really know God, they don't really know the Bible, but they boast about spiritual insight or a higher level of consciousness. Or, especially based upon the current dynamics of our culture, I'm fairly certain that you may have some friends or some family members who would possibly even encourage you to consider psychedelics or marijuana. They would say, if you really want to have transcendent experience and, and connect with the divine or some other realm, then the way to get that spiritual insight or have that transcendence is through psychedelics or marijuana. You, you may have people in your life that are saying that. That is kind of a, a thing that's happening in a big way in our culture. It, it is even possible that you know some people who are into spiritual things like Wicca or they're into the New Age or they're into astrology or transcendental meditation occultism, horoscopes, seances even. All these things are still around, just as they were thousands of years ago. They're, those are the kind of things that you might run into. But if you're going to grow in God's word and you're going to walk in his ways, if we are going to do that, then we must cut off all forms of false wisdom and knowledge. And those things are false wisdom and knowledge. It has been said that we become the average of those that we spend the most time with. Or the scriptures say it more plainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says in verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. This land into which the children of Israel were entering, it was filled with people who were engaged in all manner of twisted, immoral, and sick practices, even to the point of sacrificing their children to a deity that was called Molech. And so there's all kinds of twisted and crazy things that they were doing. 
And as it would relate to these practices, God's people were to be, as Moses says in this passage, blameless. They were to be completely separate. Now, blameless separation is not just an Old Testament, Old Covenant thing. It's a New Testament, New Covenant principle as well. In the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship or communion really has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, falsity, evil, wickedness? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As a Christian, you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, because this is true, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In another New Testament passage, the same author of that passage in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, he writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. That is such a powerful statement. In him you are complete. What that means is, you don't need all the other false forms of wisdom and knowledge that are going around in our culture or in the world today. You don't need a spiritist. You don't need a spiritual guide. You don't need that person who's going to direct you in the ways of astrology or horoscopes or any of those sorts of things. You don't need any other substance or chemical to go into your body to open your eyes and give you some sort of amazing transcendent experience or insight. All we need is God. All we need is Christ. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. So since that is true, Moses makes it really clear in this passage. We need to cut off corrupting and carnal philosophies, all these other things. We need to cultivate relationships that are priestly relationships where people will point us back to the scriptures and point us back to the way of God. And we need to cut off anything that's distracting us from that. But then the third thing that we need to do, look at what Moses says in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb or Sinai in the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Moses in these verses, Deuteronomy 18 verses 15 through 22, he predicts the coming of a prophet, he says, like him, kind of like Moses, who would rise up with God's words in his mouth, who speaks the words of God to God's people. And when Moses says this prophet that he has God's words in his mouth, he is implying that this forth teller, this prophet, speaks God's word directly from God to the people or for the people. And when Moses, as a mediator between God and the people, when they were at Sinai, or what he says, Horeb here in this passage, the children of Israel were fearful to talk with God. 
And so Moses was the prophet or the mediator who would come and bring God's word to them. And in the same way, he says, this prophet that he's predicting, Deuteronomy 18, 15, this prophet is going to be one who's going to bring God's word to the people. He goes on in verse 19, and it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he, this prophet, speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Essentially, this prophet's words are consequential. If you do not heed his words, there will be a requisite judgment, a judgment required. He says right there, I will require it of them if they do not receive that word. Now, you may have noticed as I was reading through that passage there, Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 and on, that the translation that I'm reading from, the New King James translation, you may have noticed that the New King James Version translation capitalizes the word prophet and the prophet's pronouns, he, him, and his. And each of these sections here, where it's talking about this prophet, the, the word prophet and he, him, and his are capitalized. This choice, it's editorial. The ancient Hebrew doesn't have capital letters. So it's not capitalized in the original uh, Hebrew that this was written in. But capitalizing prophet, he, him, and his, in this translation, the, the translators are helping us to see what becomes clear in the New Testament. You see, Moses was the mediator of the old covenant at Sinai. The children of Israel, they came out of Egypt as Moses had gone to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. They cross over the Red Sea. Ultimately, they get to Mount Sinai or Horeb, as it's mentioned here in this passage. And Moses goes up and he is the mediator going to God on behalf of the people and coming down to the people on behalf of God. And Moses becomes the mediator of the old covenant, bringing the law to them. To them. But there is a greater prophet that Moses predicts here in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. He says, God shall raise up a prophet, capital P. So Moses predicts there is a greater prophet that is going to come who will mediate a new and greater covenant. The old covenant, the law, it was good. It was a great covenant, but there is a new and better covenant. And the author of the New Testament book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. If you want to look at that, you can go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant than the covenant that Moses mediated. Peter, in Acts chapter 3, the apostle Peter is giving a message there to a group of people, and he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where Moses says, the Lord shall raise up unto a prophet, capital P, like me, Peter quotes Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, when he's speaking about Jesus in Acts chapter 3. And that's why the translators chose to capitalize prophet, he, him, and his here in this passage in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. They are telling you by just simply editorially capitalizing prophet, he, him, and his, they're saying there's something special about this prophet that Moses is speaking to. So Moses was the mediator of the old covenant, but there is a greater prophet, a greater mediator who will mediate a greater covenant. And Jesus is the prophet. He is the mediator of a better covenant. He speaks the words of God because he is God incarnate. And his words are consequential as we saw there in that passage in Deuteronomy 18, verse 19. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he, this prophet, this great mediator of a better covenant, will not hear the words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. So the words of Jesus, the mediator of a greater covenant, they become consequential. In other words, ignore him at your own peril. 
That is literally what is being said here in this passage. Ignore the words of Christ at your own peril. So if we are going to live lives that are aligned with God's word and his ways, we need to, number one, cultivate priestly relationships in our lives. That's that we need to develop relationships with people who will point us back to God's word and God's ways, challenge us to live out his word on a daily basis. Secondly, we need to cut off any corrupting carnal philosophies. And third, we must work to develop a genuine connection to Christ and we must commit to hear him. Moses, the mediator of the first covenant, he had a mountaintop experience with God on Mount Sinai. He saw God's glory, at least in part, not completely, but he saw God's glory in part. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 34. And not only did he see God's glory, but he heard God's voice. And he is the mediator who related that to the people. He brings the glory of God and the voice of God down to the people so that they are able to connect with God. That's the old covenant. And that was all through the law. He was in all respects, the high priest of Israel at Mount Sinai. Moses was. But in the Gospels, there is another mountaintop experience, a glorious mountaintop experience. It's recorded in one place is in Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus is with his disciples, three of them, Peter, James, and John. And as he is with his disciples on this mountaintop, they behold Christ's glory. He's transfigured before them. They see his glory. And not only do they see the glory of God in Christ Jesus, but they hear the voice of God, the Father's voice. And the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then these two really important words. God says to Peter, James, and John, as they have this encounter with the glory of God and hear the voice of God, they are told by the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. It's Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Jesus is our high priest and the mediator of a greater covenant than that of Moses. Moses was the high priest and mediator of the old covenant under the law. He is the one who made it possible through the law, but with a separation that the people could have some sort of connection with the glory of God and with the voice of God. But Jesus is a greater mediator, the greater prophet that is able to make it possible for us to connect with the glory of God and the word of God. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The father says, hear him. He is, Jesus is our high priest, our mediator of a greater covenant. And if you are going to live and walk in alignment with God's word, and you're going to live out God's ways, you cannot do so without a genuine connection to Christ through prayer, through worship, through his word, through fellowship with him. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to remember and we're going to commemorate Jesus's institution of this new covenant that took place at the Last Supper. We're going to partake of communion today here at Cross Connection Church. You can take partake of it at home as well if you've got uh, a little bit of bread and some juice to partake to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. But it was there at that moment when Jesus had that final supper with his disciples the night before his crucifixion that in communion he partook of the bread and the cup and Jesus told his disciples that this is the institution of the new covenant. But 
before we do that in a few minutes, we need to recognize how essential this point is. This third point about how we need to be those who develop a genuine connection to Christ and commit to hear him. This is very, very important. You cannot have a right relationship with the Father apart from the Son, Jesus Christ. You will not walk in a way that is right and pleasing before the Father God and also be out of step with Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. You cannot and will not walk in a way that is right and pleasing before the Father if you are out of step with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the only way to the Father. There's no other way apart from him. So we have to come back to a simple question. In the same way I asked a little while ago, have you developed or cultivated relationships with people in your life who will direct you back to God's word? Another very simple question. Have you developed a habit and a pattern in your life of spending time in fellowship with Christ? Now you may ask, what does that even practically mean? What do I do to develop a habit of spending time in fellowship with Christ? It's a good question, an important question. And I would say a simple, quick answer would be that spending time in fellowship with Christ means having a regular and a consistent time with God in prayer, in reading his word, and in worshiping him. And when I say worshiping him, I think that one of the highest forms of worship is imitation. So the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says, be imitators of Christ as dear children. And the only way that we can imitate Jesus Christ is to get to know him as he has revealed himself in the pages of scripture. So how do we spend time in fellowship with Jesus Christ? Simply put, you have to develop a regular and consistent pattern and habit in your life of spending time in God's word on a daily basis. Coming on a Sunday morning or watching one message on YouTube every single week is not sufficient. You will not grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, the image of Jesus Christ, apart from spending time in God's word and applying it in your life. These things are important. And so we see in this passage, Deuteronomy chapter 18, three steps so far, three points so far that are necessary essentials if we are going to walk in step with God's word and his ways. First, we need to cultivate priestly relationships in our lives, develop friendships, connections, relationships, spend time with people who are gonna point you back to God's word, who are gonna pray with you and pray for you and encourage you to walk in God's ways. Those are priestly relationships. Second, we must cut off corrupting and carnal philosophies. If there are people in your life who are speaking things that are contrary to God's word, if they're encouraging you to do things or to partake of things that are outside of the bounds of what God's word says, we need to cut off those relationships. Those things will, those empty philosophies, they will corrupt your faith. So that's the second thing. Third, we must develop a genuine connection to Christ, hearing and obeying his word. And then finally, we find this last thing here in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Fourth thing that is helpful in us growing and developing a, a right walk with Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning at verse 20. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. So this is someone who's speaking outside of the words of God or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Well, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, foolishly, arrogantly. 
you shall not be afraid of that individual. Point number four, if you're taking notes, we must guard against presumptuous false prophets. First, we need to recognize that false prophets exist and they will always be a reality. They were a problem throughout Israel's history and they were predicted by Jesus Christ that they will continue. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. The Apostle Peter, in one of his letters, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even the denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And then one more from the Apostle John. He wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Listen, this is so important. If we are going to live and walk in step with God's word and in alignment with God's ways, then we, it, it is essential that we cultivate priestly relationships in our lives. Those people who will speak God's word into our lives, direct us in his ways. We need to cut off corrupting influences, vain philosophies that do not align with God's word. We need to develop deep connections with Christ through his word, spending time with him in prayer and reading his word. And we need to guard against false prophets and false teaching in our lives. If we do these things, then we will invite and experience God's blessing in our lives in a greater way. And I hope that's what, what you desire. I know that's what my desire is for myself and that's what my prayer is for Cross Connection Church. My prayer is for you, that you would begin to experience the fullness of the abundance li abundant life that Jesus promised and desires that you would have. But the only way that that is possible is as you begin to do these things in your life, we need to be those who cultivate a priestly relationship with other people who are directing us in God's word. We need to cut off all forms of false wisdom and knowledge. We need to develop a genuine connection with Christ and listen to and obey his word. And we need to beware and be on guard against false prophets, understanding that there are people that are trying to deceive us. And if we do these things, then we will see that we are beginning to walk in a way that's in alignment with God's word, fulfilling his ways, and then we begin to experience the blessings of being the people of God in a big way. Now, as I said a little bit ago, today we're going to be partaking of communion together. Communion is where we commemorate and remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, but also where we remember that he instituted a new covenant for us. That we do not relate to God on the basis of how good we keep God's law. We don't have the separation between us where God's way up on Mount Sinai and we're way down at the bottom afraid to come near to him. But because of what Jesus did on Mount Calvary, we have the privilege and the opportunity to come into the presence of God because he fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law that you and I could never fulfill so that we could be in a right relationship with God through his grace and through his forgiveness. And so Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, on the night before his crucifixion, he was having a meal with his disciples. And at a certain point in the meal, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, eat this, all of you, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
So about every seven weeks here at Cross Connection Church, we partake of communion to remember Jesus' body that is broken for us. If you're at home and you have some bread, you, you can partake of this with us as well. Or maybe just pause this and come back to it at another time later on this week when you do have some bread and some juice. But what we're doing when we partake of communion is we're remembering his body that was broken for us that makes it possible that we can approach a holy God because Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. He's perfect. He's the mediator of a new and better covenant. And so we remember Jesus today as we partake of this bread. The scriptures say in the same way, after they had partaken of that, he took the cup and he with his disciples, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The old covenant started with a sacrifice there at Mount Sinai. The new covenant comes upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the pure and spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The New Testament book of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or removal of sins, but Jesus died on the cross in my place and your place, and his blood cleanses us from all sin so that we can have a connection with God, experience his glory and hear his voice. And so today we remember his blood shed for us as we partake. Let's partake together if you have the juice. Father God, I thank you so much for what you have done for us in sending your son. Jesus, you came to put your life on the line for us and not just put it on the line, but to die for us so that we could have new life in you. You who knew no sin became sin for us that we might receive your righteousness. We remember that today. We commemorate and rejoice in <clears throat> the good work that you did on Calvary. And God, I pray that you would do a work in us, continue to do a good work in us, transforming us by the renewing of our minds. Lord, help us to be those who cultivate relationships with other people who will direct us to you and to your word. Help us to cut off anything that might be distracting us or leading us away from you. Lord, help us to develop a genuine connection and relationship with you through your word and through prayer, walking out your word, obeying it. And God, guard us from any false teaching and false prophets that might be leading us in a way that would go astray. Lord, do a work in your church, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>